Now more than ever, you need a source of news you can trust. And you have such a source in WYPR. Members are our most important source of funding, and we need you now more than ever so we can continue to keep you informed amid the pandemic with honest, accurate journalism. You can make a pledge at WYPR.org. If you're a sustaining member, consider an additional gift or increasing your monthly pledge. We could not be here without you, and we thank you so much. I'm Theo Hill. Welcome back to One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore, a podcast where I can talk one-on-one with other folks like me who are dealing with their own addictions and recovery. My guest today is a very distinguished gentleman. Um, We met in recovery. We've been on this journey for a minute or two, and um, I would like to introduce you to him. His name is Jack. And Jack, what I'd like you to do is to start from the beginning, how this addiction started, what, uh, what your family background was, and, and how you made that full circle. Sure. Okay. Um, thanks for having me, Theo. My mm-hmm. name is Jack Matthews. Um, and as you stated in your <laughs> opening, like we have been good friends and, re- and, and on this journey together for the past eight years. And I'm honored to be here. Anytime someone asks me to come out and share my experience and, 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 and um, you know, in reference to this thing that we battle on a daily basis, like as your, the name of your podcast says, mm-hmm. One Day at a Time, you know, it really means a lot to me. I should say that I'm a 55-year-old African-American man who grew up in the city of West Baltimore, you know. Um, so, like, when I say I'm 50, I'm 55 years mm-hmm. old and I got into recovery at 47, so there's absolutely no way that I can squeeze that terrible journey that I had getting to the end of my addiction. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you say, where do I come from? I grew up in a neighborhood where there was basically single parents in each neighbor in each household, but I come from the one family with, you know, mm-hmm. dual parents and mother, father, you know, professional school teacher. Father was a school teacher, mother was a professional for the telephone company. Um, you know, and my family looked a little bit different from the rest of the families, you know, so they instilled morals and principles in me, you know. I knew what was right from wrong. But it was something about, you know, um we're talking about the, the nature of addiction, mm-hmm. right? So we we really not in the beginning we really not even for me talking about drugs because like you know even though I saw in my neighborhood what drugs would do to you but from a very young age you know and I've been able to tap back to as far as the second grade there was something different about me you know um I couldn't have one piece of candy I had to steal all of my parents change so that I could go to the store every day and buy a hundred pieces of candy mm-hmm. you know um meaning that like from a very young age I incorporated a lot of negative behaviors that was just priming me and getting getting me ready for the disease of addiction that was associated when when you know when it would integrate with the drugs it would just become full blown and I was ready for it you know um and telling my story generally, mm-hmm. I generally like to say, tell a one specific part about it. You know, the day that my father asked me was I prepared for what I, what were my plans when I graduated high school, mm-hmm. right? This was the day that I made a, a mm-hmm. I like to say now, a terrible choice because I said, you know what? Um, I've made a decision to take me a year off, right? Um, I told you he was a school teacher. So, like, what that oh, means yeah. oh, is yeah. that, like, when we, you know, in the evenings we did dishes and we would sit down at the dinner table and we would study whether you had homework or not for two hours, right? So what I'm trying to say is that I felt like he had popped that whip on me for right. many years. And he looked at me when I told him I was going to take that year off, and he said, that's cool. 
but you're not going to live here while you take that year off. <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. right, because, like, I didn't understand um, what that decision was going to do to my life. Right. Because that was the summer of 1981 mm-hmm. and the summer of 1982, and I didn't have a clue where I was going when I made that decision, right? Um, but the summer of 1982, I had my address, and it was 954 Far Street, mm-hmm. right, with a brand-new 15 years. So and I'm talking about still... At that time, I had used a lot of substances, you know, drinking and smoking and popping pills and, you know, all that type of stuff. But when I went in that penitentiary, mm-hmm. I would seek out the type of people that I heard about all my life growing up, right? And I'm talking about the meanest, the baddest, and mm-hmm. I'm talking about at a very young age, some really, really, really negative behaviors being instilled in me um, that would carry me throughout that next 30 years of active addiction. And the substance that I found that in the penitentiary, right, um, was heroin. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that for a 19-year-old, um, I'd like to say, <laughs> tough guy, mm-hmm. but no, a 19-year-old kid that had been sheltered by his parents all his life, I didn't know what my life was about to become. You know, I, was, I had become a thief, a liar, a cheater, a stealer, everything that you can imagine I had become. And what that 30-year journey would entail, man, you know, um, you can use your imagination, right? Because, like, I got to experience a whole lot of different things within that 30 years because it didn't get really, really bad really, really fast, right? It was, like they say, slowly, mm-hmm. slow and progressive. It was, you know, I didn't understand that I suffered from something that was incurable because, like, I would go to prison. You know, I, I talked about that first time, but I would go to prison over and over and over again, and I would learn new tricks to come home to try again, right? All unsuccessful, I need to say, because, like, you know, my story is one that has seven major incarcerations, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of, I learned a lot of different tricks, and none of them worked. And and I didn't understand that until I was getting back into the back of the paddy wagon again with, you know, the handcuffs yes, on, sir. saying I'm going to do it differently next time. And the disease of addiction, you know, um, I've been homeless, penniless, hopeless, shot up, beat up, stabbed up, anything that you can imagine, right? And none of it was enough to make me think um, that it wasn't just the drugs that I needed to address, right? You know, um, and, I, and I say that because, like, I can remember in 1991 a, a judge in Clarence Mitchell Courthouse mm-hmm. saying, Mr. Matthews, won't you let us get you some help, right? And I was like, help with what? And he was like, you know, um, you can either take this five years or let me send you to get some help, you know, in treatment or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I took the five years because, like, in my mind, I can go get. I can con- go to prison you and continue, continue to do what right? you're doing. Um, yeah. Don't get in my way of my using. You know, I I had made a deal with myself early on after suffering negative consequences over and over and over again. I said, well, I can do this until I'm 35. I told you I got stopped using drugs when At I was 47, 40. so that plan didn't work right. either. You know, um, and man, you know, just some of the places that the disease of addiction took me. You know, they say that we will, we as being people who suffer from the disease of addiction, right, that we will hurt hurt the closest one to us the most. Yes. You know, so over a period of that 30 years of active addiction, I had been pushed my, I did everything you can imagine to my family. You know, and I'm talking about from, I told you in the second grade, stealing all the change, Mm -hmm. but it will progress as my disease progressed. And, you know, um, and I'm talking about stealing from them, breaking in their house, Mm -hmm. you know, just, you know, stealing checks and, Mm -hmm. you know, but then when they pushed me away, I was completely in the street. You know, yeah. um, and that's where I would hone a whole lot of skills, and I would ex- actually, you know, um, 
some of the things I, I was thinking that's what I was riding down here mm-hmm. today, um, how, how one of my friends got shot. And we used that opportunity because he broke his neck and he had a halo around his neck and everything. Right. We put together, you know, we came up with a bright idea to um, start this shoplifting scheme, right, mm-hmm. at Security Mall. I hope I probably owed him some amends. Right. <laughs> um, where we would take him in, you know, and we, you yeah. know, we came up with a plan, you know what I mean? And Use it worked for a while. As, right, as, as a, a decoy. decoy. Yeah. You know, and it worked for a while, and, you know, and, and, and that's lightly, you know, because there will come, you know, there were certain things in the beginning of my act of addiction that I said I would never do, right, to get drugs, you know, until the other things ran out. And I had to resort to a lot of, you know, um, violence, you know, um, mm-hmm. doing things to people who really didn't deserve, you know, going into places that I had no business being, anything to feed that beast, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and, 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 and it was until I stopped I didn't understand why I kept doing it. So what point did what got you to stop and and then take it from there? That's that's a good question, you know, um because I'm asked that a lot of times and I have been asked it a lot of times over the past 8 years because you know um it's kind of like, and I know you've heard this before. You sick and tired? I was sick and tired yes, of sir. being sick and tired of being sick and tired. But I got to this place, and I know you're a big Raven fan, and mm-hmm. this is how I can get you to picture it. Imagine Raven Stadium, you know, 70,000, 80,000 people in it on a Sunday at 1 o'clock, and everybody's screaming and hollering. And you standing there all by yourself, and you and it's like nobody sees me. I'm all alone, right? I'm talking about ending up in that place, right? It's not, you know, that's not a good place. It's called a feeling of desperation. Mm-hmm. Utter, Utter desperate. desperation, yes. you know. And until I got to that point, because there's been times when I've been shot up, when the bullet should have stopped me. There's been times when I spent 10 years in prison where the consequences of my actions should have stopped me. But what we like to call it, around where we hang, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's like I had to die that spiritual death. Yes, sir. Right? I had to lose everything. Yes. Right? You know, I hear people talking about losing some stuff, but imagine 30 years of losing stuff over and over and over again. So I found myself in a place where I was all alone. But it's something about the same way that the, my disease set me up mm-hmm. to be sucked into the streets of Baltimore for 30 years. So did... Um, I'd like to say my higher power set me yes, up sir. to find my way yes. to a new way of living. You had to go through that mm-hmm. to get to where you were humble to, enough. Absolutely. To, I had to, to be beaten help. to yes, become sir. willing yes, to sir. do something yes, different. Sir. You know what I mean? Um, and that willing, I didn't know what it was going to be, but I found my people. I found my way. And, you know, um, and I was quickly told, right, that, like, um, that, you know, the drugs were just a symptom of my problem. Exactly. And I led, I, I had referenced that earlier, you know, um, because there was a lot of days that I sat in a cell over Baltimore City Jail and didn't use for months, right, and get right out and use. So I understood when I, I started living this new way of life, right, mm-hmm. that, like, if nothing changes, nothing changes. If I just stop using drugs for 10 days, then, like, when that feeling comes over me to use, I don't have any tools right. to, in place to deal with those feelings. And, 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 you know, and to go a little bit deeper than that, I didn't even know what the feelings were. Right. Right? I didn't understand. I understood happy and right. sad. Right. Right? You know, right. um... So I had to dig in and get with some people who were trying to, who were doing what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and they showed me how to live a new way. So, um, was it a treatment plan? Was it jail? 
that stopped you to get you to the point where you were willing to um, to do something different? Well, ironically, no. It okay. wasn't, you know, um, and it still blows some of my friends' mind in recovery for a person that was always on some kind of paper, you know, to right. be able to show up, like you said earlier, in utter desperation, looking mm-hmm. for a way out, right, and only to find out that there was a way out and, and like, that I had no legal ramifications or no legal holes right. that were pushing me in here. I told you I died a spiritual right. death, right. right? You know, I had what we call, and it was fortunate for myself, I had that moment of clarity, mm-hmm. right, where I couldn't live with the drugs anymore and, and couldn't, couldn't live, live without them, them yes. right? So in that moment, I decided to do something different I had never done before, and that was take some suggestions from people who um, were living a new people. And and this is what's ironic about this thing that we do, right? Um, you know, they give you some suggestions, right? Right, um, and you don't have to take them. No, right? I heard a guy tell me one time. Well, didn't I? He, he, I heard him share one time. Mm-hmm. Um, suggestions are free. The only ones that we pay for are the ones that we don't take. Exactly. And that got my attention, right? Okay. Because I tell you, I have been suffering a lot of negative consequences, and my consequences are always painful, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. So I decided to do something different, man, and um, never having tried it before, you know, and it was the best decision I ever made, right? I started to get in touch with some of the things, um, some of the deeper issues of why I was using drugs in the first place. Right, right. right? You know, um, I would like to say that I come from a neighborhood where everybody used drugs, but everybody didn't use drugs. Right. There was something about me, right, um, that, that where I made that choice, where my father said go left, mm-hmm. and I went right. Right. Right, and I didn't find my way back for 30 years. It was something about me continuing to make poor choices. Right, you know, I always like to reference it like this um, for them new bucks out there. Uh, yes. When you set that GPS in your car and say, when you get to the red light, yes. make turn left. And I always right. go right. Right. <laughs> right. And it say right. rerouting. Right. I was always rerouting, Theo. Yes, sir. You know, yes, always, sir. Re- and always I was incapable of making good decisions. Right. So, like, when I. Um, arrived into this new way of life, it made it a little bit more easier for me to practice some humility. Yes. Be humble and let people tell me how to live my life. Yes. Show me, not mm-hmm. just tell me, right? Um, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I, I hear a lot of people talk, but I see how a lot of people Oh, live, yeah. Most know. definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so I have watched your growth over the Absolutely. years. Absolutely, yes, um, That's why we're here today. So, in conclusion, for somebody that's out there that's still struggling, um, do you have any suggestions or, or uh, someplace they could go or call? You know, the ho- I know there's an NA hotline, mm-hmm. and um, you can you can call two one one pound one, right? That's okay. your local helpline, right? And it'll get you to your local health department. Right, and that will get you the, the help and the resources that you need. For me, I chose a 12-step fellowship, you right. feel me, um, that works for me. But, like, I'm a firm believer that there are multiple pathways to recovery. There is. Right? Um, you reach out and find your help. And as you expressed, yes, there is an N.A. hotline, mm-hmm. right? You can call N.A., um, and they'll they'll point you in the right direction. There are a lot of different 12-step fellowships that'll point you in the right direction. But what I would suggest is, like, get out there, make yourself available to the help. You know, right. there is help. That's you know, key. Um, they say 
in this reading where I, I participated at, right, that for the first time in man's entire history, a way has been proven to save lives. Right. Get out there and find that way, that way that's been proven. You know, it'll be the best decision that you ever made for yourself. Fantastic. Um, well, Jack, it's, I, I want to thank you for sharing your story on this episode of One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. And I would like to thank the audience for listening. I'm Theo Hill, and let's talk again. <laughs>